Amen. Praise God. How many would like to read the Bible through in 2014? You'd like to go the whole year and be able to read the Bible at least one time through. Wouldn't that be great? And it can be done. And uh, I don't know if Pastor has a Bible reading plan already uh, to put out, but we've also got one from our church that I'm going to email to him that he can print out and give to you. It'd be good if you just said, you know, I'm going to take 15 minutes every morning and read the Bible. And you can do it if you just had 15 minutes and took the time and, and made the, you have to you have to set that time aside. How many know any anything that you make a priority gets done? If you don't make it a priority, it doesn't get done. And so if you if you're serious about it and you say, you know what, this is something I'd really like to accomplish and be able to to say that I did, it can be done. How many know it's good to read? You ought to be a reader. You ought to be a learner. And some people, they've never read a book through in their life. And sometimes they even brag about it. I, I don't read books. But you ought to be a person that reads books. Amen? Just because you walk into a bookstore doesn't make you a reader. Sometimes people think that's all it is. You know, I went and I bought a book, so I read the book. Well, you know, it's good to be a reader and to be a learner and uh, challenge yourself. Say, this year I'm going to do some things and accomplish some things. Uh, this year, I, at the beginning of the year, I challenged our church to, to see how many books they could read. And uh, I told them to keep track. And I, I'm going to give out a prize. I told them I'm giving a prize to the person that reads the most books. And I think I'm, I, I don't know if I'm ahead or not, but I, I have a feeling I might be ahead because I'm almost to 30 books. And these are not little books. Some of them are like 700 pages. And I told him, keep track of the number of books. And then you also need to keep track of the number of pages because I'm going to give myself a reward for reading the most pages. <laughs> Amen. And so usually my brother and I have this little competition going back and forth. I don't tell him how many I've got. He doesn't tell me how many he's got. But I found out the other day he's a few behind me. So we're, I'm doing better than he is. Pastor Dustin, you, some of you know who he is. Turn over with me, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 5. And I'm not talking about comic books either. I'm talking about books that, you know, more than 50 pages, not pictures. Not picture books. Amen. I want to preach on time and redeeming the time tonight because this I, I mentioned this morning there are a couple of things that can really change this next year for you if you get them right. One is the area of finances, and how many know you can you can always make more money, but you can't always make more time. Isn't that right? It's one of the most precious commodities, and and uh, if I was to ask you, if I was to give you the opportunity to, to save save time or to save money, most people would say, "Well, I'd rather save money." But what people don't realize is that if you are a wise steward, if you're somebody that's diligent, you can convert your time into money. It can be converted into whatever it is you want to convert it into. You can convert your time into an education. 
You can convert your time into nine or ten kids if you want to. You want to have that many kids? Then feel free. You convert your time into that many kids. You want to convert your time into a career? You can do that. You can do whatever it is that you want to do with those resources. You can build a company. You can build a successful ministry. You can do all sorts of things. But the, the fact is, every one of us only has 24 hours in a day. No more and no less. You can't buy time. You can't stop time. You can't save it up for another, for later on. It's just continuing to move. And no matter how hard you try, when that, when that ball in Times Square begins to, what does it do? Does it go down or it goes up? I'm usually asleep by that time. Okay, it's going down. It, you know, it's not stopping for anybody. It might break, but how many know when the clock strikes 12, it's 12 o'clock. And 2014 is coming, whether you like it or not. You can't do anything about it. It's, it's marching on. And I've seen it in our own family. You know, as you, as you get older, time seems to go a whole lot faster. When you're in school and you can't wait for summertime, it go, it's going real slow. Because you're in school all the time. And I used to uh, tell Elena, and we, we have a story that we would talk about a little boy. Some of you might have heard, heard of this story. And the little boy that finds this ball... And he, as he pulls out the thread out of this ball, he is able to make time go faster. Has anybody else ever heard this story? Amen. I'm going to I'm going to share it with Pastor. You can share it with the rest of everybody. And he pulls and he begins to pull this ball, this string out of this ball. And it's just a fable. But he 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 makes time go faster and faster. And next thing you know, he's wishing he could put time back into that little ball. How many know we, sometimes we'd like to go back and fix some things and change some things. We would like to move the clock backwards instead of seeing it move forwards. But it's amazing to me how some people get so much done in a day and other people can't seem to get anything done. It takes them forever to accomplish things. But where you spend your time really does spell out what you value in life. You can put a lot of emphasis and you can put time into an education and people are devoted. They, they are willing to invest themselves. They're willing to give themselves to those, that education. Other people, it, it's, it's unimportant to them. But let me ask you, how valuable is your time? Because if you want to have just a few minutes of, of, a, of an executive's time, it, it might cost you a lot of money. There's, there's, a, uh, there's time, there's, there's some quotes on time. Time waits for no man. How many have heard that before? Time, I, over in Kenya, they say, they've, they've said to, to me before, time is money, don't waste time bargaining. Time is money. They don't want to waste time. But turn over with me, and, and I want you to look at something in Ephesians 5. If you got it, say amen. In verse 15, it says this. It says, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Basically, what he's saying right there is understand what is the season of time that God is, God is in right now, what God is doing right now. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but... Be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God 
and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he says, if you back up to verse number 16, he says, redeeming the time. You know, the average person, if you can go and look up statistics of how much time people spend doing certain things. The average person spends 27 years in their lifetime sleeping. 27 years asleep. And some people even do that in church. Can you believe that? A woman spends two years shopping, two years of her life getting ready to go somewhere. And I think that's, a, that's multiplied in some cases. For men, that's an average of six months of their lifetime getting ready. An average of 13 years watching television. Five years on the telephone. And for men, three years using the bathroom. Eight years of their life, of your life, just eating. Now, you can add or subtract in your own life. Some of you know, hey, that, that eight years is a little bit low or a little bit high. But in verse 16, he says, redeeming the time for the days are evil. How many know that these are evil days? As a matter of fact, we've seen a, a, an abs- a complete collapse of morality in our society. And, and it's, you know, it's all relative. People say, well, there are no absolutes. There's, there's not really one way of doing things. What's good for you is not necessarily good for me or right for me. And people have made up their own, their own level and their own standard of what is right and what is moral. But you know what we're dealing with in life is we're dealing with a moving clock. And that there, it's, not, it's not stopping for anybody. There is a, there is a season. And how many know that, that God's time is always harvest time? It's always time for reaping and, and reaching people. And the mistake is made when we begin to see, we fail to see the seriousness of time. What we say is, well, when I, when I get a better job, then I'm really going to do something for God. When I find uh, uh, the right person to marry, then I'll really get serious and I'll really settle down and do something for God. Or when my uh, job situation changes, then I can, I can really commit myself. I can really be available. John and James chapter 4 and verse 14, this is what it says. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. That's James 4.14 for those that are taking notes. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. In John 4 and verse 35, it says, Do not say there are still four months and then comes a harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. He's talking about wasting time and missing opportunities. I remember when we were pastoring in Greeley and we were uh, dealing with a small congregation. I've been working with some people for a long time and I've just been trying to get them to come to a level of, of uh, maturity in spiritual things and t- trying to challenge them and telling these young men that were married and they were always always dealing with one problem after another. And I'm thinking to myself, if how, how, how much time are we going to take to begin to get things right? in our lives why does it have to take five years or why does it have to take ten years for people to begin to mature and to begin to understand that 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 the clock is ticking that there is a need for us to do something for God that the the opportunity is before us and we don't have ten years to figure it out 
We don't have five years for, for couples to get it together and to work out their marriage problems and learn to treat each other right and, and get their finances in order and stop digging a hole in debt because we want to do something for God. And we, I was thinking, when are they going to understand these things? He's talking in this scripture, redeeming the time. Not wasting time, not, not saying, well, a year from now I'm going to do this or five years from now I'm going to do this, but beginning to act on the things that he's laid upon our hearts and saying, today I'm going to make some decisions that are going to affect the rest of this year. That's what we're talking about this morning. That's what pastor's talking about on Wednesday night, that there is an opportunity in front of us and we don't know that we don't know if we have another six months on this earth. We don't know if we have another year to preach the gospel here in Den. We don't know if we've got five more years ahead of us. He says, don't say that there's still four months and then comes a harvest. And he says, lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes. He says, he says that when he's, when he's talking to this, to, about the woman that was at the well. He says, don't say there's four months and then comes the harvest. Lift up your eyes and look on the harvest. Do you remember the story of, of Jesus, how he went out of his way to minister to this lady and the disciples said, Master, aren't you hungry? Don't you, have some, don't, don't you want to get something to eat? How many know sometimes we're thinking with our stomachs instead of on spiritual things? These guys had their mind on, on uh, what was at hand. You know, we've got to get, our, get some food in our stomachs. We've got to do something about our, our, those, uh, that stomach's growling, you know. And, and Jesus says to them, he says, my meat is to do the will of God. That means there's a, time for, for, there's a time for eating and doing carnal things and there's a time for doing the things that God has laid upon our hearts and then he ministers to this woman at the most inopportune time and it was something that was just simply uh, unconventional. But God brought him to a place to minister to this woman and as she goes to that city and she says, come and see a man who told me all the things that I have ever done. Out of that city and out of that place as she ministered to that city, people began to come out and as I was studying this story and, and how these people, they, they came out at that time, it was a time of, uh, of uh, Passover and there were some things that were happening and they came out of the city wearing their white garments and he says, lift up your eyes and look on the harvest. They're white already to harvest, that there's an opportunity that is right before us, and if we don't take advantage of it right now, we might miss it. It could be gone forever. Somebody said, if you'll take care of the minutes, the hours will take care of themselves. I found a couple of illustrations. This one says, if you had a bank that credited your account each morning with $86,400 that carried no balance from day to day and allowed you to keep no cash in your account and finally every evening canceled whatever part you had failed to use during the day, what would you do? Well, you'd draw out every cent, of course. Well, you have such a bank account and its name is time and every morning it credits you with $86,400 seconds and every night it rules off as lost whatever of this you had failed to invest to good purpose it carries no balance it allows no balances it allows no overdrafts each day the bank named time opens a new account with you, new account with you 
Each night it burns the records of the day, and if you fail to use the day's deposits, the loss is yours. This one says, how valuable is time? Maybe you've heard this. Pastor Blake might have used it before, but if you want to know the value of a year, ask a student who has failed a final exam. If you want to know the value of nine months, ask a mother who has given birth to a baby. If you want to know the value of one month, ask a mother who has given birth to a premature baby. If you want to know the value of a week, ask the editor of a weekly newspaper. If you want to know the value of an hour, ask the lovers who are waiting to meet. If you want to know the value of one minute, ask a person who has missed the bus or an airplane. If you want to know the value of one second, ask a person who survived an accident. If you want to know the value of one millisecond, ask the person who has won the silver medal at the Olympics. And if you want to know the value of living for Christ, ask the guy who missed the rapture. Redeeming the time. That word redeem, I looked it up, and that word redeem, there are actually four occasions in the Bible where it's used in that particular context, but it talks about buying it up for one's own use by payment of a price, to redeem by payment of a price, to recover from the power of another, to ransom or buy off or to buy up for one's use, to redeem the time. That means it's, it's taking advantage of it. And then in verse 17, when, he, when he's talking about Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is, that, that, that under, we understand that, that there are seasons where God is at work, and it's always a harvest season. Every day is a harvest season. Even in difficult times, it's a harvest season. And the, the problem isn't that we, ha- we don't have opportunities. The problem is we let those opportunities come and go. We don't see those opportunities with spiritual eyes. And we look and say, I wonder why so-and-so is always blessed. I wonder why this person's marriage is always working and our marriage, we just can't seem to get anything right. I wonder why their finances are blessed, but my finances are not blessed. It's amazing to me how many people can, can sit in the same service, they hear the same preaching that everybody else heard, they listen and, and were part of, a part of the same worship service, but somehow some will walk out knowing that they've been in the presence of God. They got something out of that preaching. And somebody else heard that same message and said, I don't even know what was said. I didn't get anything. They see other people that are responding to an altar call. There's an opportunity that's given. Pastors challenged us. We've been given all of the things and the tools that we need to succeed in life or to succeed in ministry, how God can restore marriage, and we still miss those opportunities. You know that this year can be a great year for you, and it's important that we, we commit ourselves, say, God, I will, I will not allow opportunities to pass me by. Wednesday night will be an opportunity. Sunday night is an opportunity. Every Sunday morning, it's an opportunity. Let me tell you, there are no unimportant services. We don't come and and open these doors and turn on the lights and and give ourselves and spend ourselves for the gospel for just just so we can, you know, feel better about ourselves, but there is a divine appointment. 
And somebody, God wants to meet you. God wants to pour out his spirit in your life. He wants to develop you. There, there can be an acceleration of his, his favor and his blessing upon your life. And it might be that service that you miss. I'm not trying to, I'm not just, I'm not talking about, uh, you know, I'm not trying to condemn anybody or, you know, make somebody feel guilty. Well, I don't, if I'm not there, you know, pastor might be upset at me. It might be that God wants to really do something in your life and there is a process of growth and development that he wants to do and it's in every service he's building something in our lives. I can get something out of any, anybody that's preaching, I can get something out of that message. I, I'll be preaching in the, in the home church and, and our senior pastor, Pastor Jones, be sitting on the front row and I see him get out a pen and a paper and he starts writing and I think, what did I just say that he wrote down? And why is he writing something down that I'm saying? I think he already knows everything. Why is he writing something down that, what would I possibly say that he could want to remember? But he gets something out of every service. He's always learning. He's, he, he even mentioned it to me the other day that, that he takes notes and he's, he's aware of what's going on. He wants God to speak to him in different ways and do some things in his life. Listen, these are the last days. It really is a last day opportunity. People really, have, they do have an expiration date. The, the mistake we make is thinking that the harvest is going to wait. Jesus came to the woman at the well just in time. It was, a, it was an open door of opportunity. Do you ever witness to somebody or knock on somebody's door and you're going to tell them about Jesus or you're talking to somebody at the store or somewhere and, and you, you just say, man, that was, that was just God. That was just God's timing. Their, their heart is open. Their heart is tender. I've, met, I've had a lot of times when the door wasn't open and it wasn't, it wasn't good timing. They slammed the door in my face or they threw the track down on the ground. They weren't receiving whatever it was that I had to say. Listen, every time doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that every time we go out that we have to pray for people for salvation. That's the Lord's business. It's his work to bring them to a place of decision. Our job is to be a, be a witness and just tell it the way we saw it and the way it happened to us. Sometimes you're planting. Sometimes you're watering and sometimes you're bringing in the harvest. But you can mark it down whenever we go into the power of the Holy Ghost, God's at work in that situation. And whether it's right now or a, or a month or a year from now, God's going to get the glory in that. Our job is simply to be available at that time. Sometimes I'll be witnessing to somebody. We've had people in Kenya when we, I remember one time we were waiting in, in the airport and we were waiting to clear one of the dogs through customs. And I think it was maybe um, J.B. and Gail's dog or something that had come through. And I'm sitting in the, in the uh, clearing area for animals, the quarantine area. We just began to talk to this lady. We had nothing but time right then. It was, no, nothing was happening. We're waiting on documents and happened to be talking to this lady. And as we, as we began to share the gospel with her, man, her heart just opened. It was just a wide open opportunity. I couldn't believe it. God was really dealing with her and touching her. And, and, and she made a decision that day. And, and even after years, I had gone back and I saw this lady. And she said, I remember that day. I'm serving God. My family's in church. I'm living for Jesus. And I thought, what would have happened had I not taken that opportunity? Where would she be? Where would her family be? 
We don't, we don't get the end result. We don't get, that's the, one of the things about being a witness. You don't always see the end result of your investment and the time that it's taking. But listen, it matters in the, in the, in the eternal scope of things. People are hearing the gospel as a result of your obedience and my obedience. A.W. Tozer wrote, Time is a resource that is non-renewable and non-transferable. You cannot store it up. You cannot slow it down. You cannot divide it or give it away. You cannot hoard it or save it for a rainy day. When it's lost, it's unrecoverable. And when you kill time, remember it has no resurrection. The saddest verse in the Bible is Jeremiah chapter 8 in verse 20. And it says, The harvest is past and the summer is gone and we're not saved. The harvest is past. The summer is gone. You know, I think we've all had regrets. We've all had those things, man, if I, wish, if I could just go back and change some things. Somebody said life is like a coin. You can spend it any way you want, but you can only spend it once. Jesus knew he only had so much time. You know, we think, well, if I don't go on outreach this week, I'll, I'll go next week. If I don't make it to service today, I'll make it next time. We don't realize that time is slipping. And there are people that go into eternity. There are people that miss their destiny because they've, they've waited and they've, they've, they've put off till next time. Well, if I, I, if, if I don't get to talk to that co-worker, I'll talk to him next week. I don't know if you've ever had the Lord deal with you about talking to somebody and then that person has gone into eternity, but it's a terrible thing. I remember when I was in junior high school, there was a young girl that I, I thought, man, I need to talk to this girl. She was lonely. She was quiet. I remember exactly where this girl would be, where her locker was. I was in, in the eighth grade. I remember exactly what was happening. And I thought, man, I need to talk. And I would put it off. I would just put it off. And I, I was, there was something, there was a fear that happened. And it, it wasn't but, but weeks after that that this girl was, was killed in an accident. And it, it, it really, it, it woke me up to some things. We don't have many, many opportunities harvest doesn't wait for us. Where are you going to be a year from now or 10 years from now? Our time has to be converted properly. And you know, time is valuable. Some people don't put a lot of value on time. You can convert it. You can convert your time into a fit body. You can convert your time into whatever, 25 books or whatever. But what do you convert your time into? What about spiritual things? Do you convert that time in the morning into time with God? Or do you sleep through an alarm clock? And, you, and you know, two or three snooze buttons is not enough for you. You need like four or five and you have to set three or four alarms. And you got to put an alarm on the other side of the room. 
Have you seen some of these alarm clocks that you have to throw things? I've, I've seen them on my phone. I think it is, I think I can do a math problem, you know, to turn the alarm off. And there's all kinds of things. But how much time gets away from you in the morning? Time that could be spent with God. Time that could be with God in prayer. How much different would your life be? How much better would your decisions be if you were to take that time in the morning instead of sleeping and converting it into, you know, your beauty sleep? If you were to convert that into time with God and you were to be able to talk with God and get the mind of God and have wisdom for your life and to get into the word of God, how much better would your life be? So, oh, I just don't, I don't have time to read. I don't have time to read the Bible. I don't have time to pray. I don't, listen, you don't have time not to pray. You can't afford not to pray. It has to be converted. It ought to be into spiritual things. But the problem is that we are by nature very, very selfish people. We would rather have our sleep. We'd rather have me time, you know. We would rather satisfy self than to be challenged and satisfy the, the spirit and, the, and the, the spirit man. And meanwhile, there's a, there's a whole generation of young people and people that are growing up without any spiritual influence in their life. No gospel. Because we're so, we're so busy uh, dealing with, and taking care of me and taking care of the flesh. What can we convert our time into this year? Listen, it can be a great year. It can be a better year in your finances. It can be a better year in your marriage. Say, so, well, I don't know how to be a good husband. Ask pastor, he'll tell you. I don't know how to, I don't know how to make good decisions. Listen, they're, they're, God, get in your Bible and begin, to, and begin to read and pray and get the mind of God and your decisions will change. You won't be impulsive. You won't make decisions just out of the flesh, but you'll be obedient to the spirit of God. I found a story that really helped me. I've, I can say that in raising our kids, I've, I've valued my time with my kids, and I love being with them, and I love spending time with them, I've, with Evan and Elena and Reese, and now uh, Josh and Brett. I've, had a, I, I, I've seized the moment. I like to be with them. I love to uh, spend time with Brett. He comes over to my house, and we hang out, and I always remember this story, and I want to close with this illustration. You know, I'll just read it for you. Listen to this. One day when Bruce was just a lad, first starting out in school, he came into my workshop and climbed upon a stool. I saw him as he entered, but I hadn't time to play, so I merely nodded to him and said, Don't get in the way. He sat a while just thinking as quiet as could be, then carefully he got down and came and stood by me. He said, Old Shep, he never works, and he has lots of fun. He runs around the meadows and barks up at the sun. He chases after rabbits and always scares the cats. And he likes to chew on old shoes and sometimes mother's hats. But when we're tired of running and we sit down on a log, I sometimes get to thinking, I wish my daddy was a dog. Now, I know you work real hard to buy us food and clothes, but you... And you need to get the girls those fancy ribbon and bows. But sometimes when I'm lonesome, I think it'd be lots of fun if my daddy was a dog and all his work was done. Now when he'd finished speaking, he looked so lonely there, 
I reached my hand out to him and ruffled up his hair. And as I turned my head aside to brush away a tear, I thought about how nice it was to have my son so near. I know the Lord didn't mean for man to toil his whole life through. Come on, my son, I'm sure I have some time for you. You should have seen the joy and sunlight in his eye as we went outside to play, just my son and I. Now, as the years have flown and youth has slipped away, I've tried always to remember to allow some time to play. When I pause to reminisce and think of joys and strife, I carefully turn the pages of this wanderer's book of life. I find the richest entry recorded in the daily log is the day that small boy whispered, I wish my daddy was a dog. Well, I'm glad that I've taken those opportunities. But maybe you say, you know what, Pastor, I've made lots of bad choices. I've made bad decisions. I've let time get away from me. I haven't seized the moment. I, I, listen, we can, we'd all like to go back and get some time back. We'd all like to go back at some point and say, man, if I could go back and do this all over again. We, I mean, how many know you can't go back and unscramble eggs, as they say? You can't go back and change those things. But what you can do is you can say, you know, from today and from this next year, I'm going to redeem that time. I'm not going to let this year be like last year. I'm not going to let opportunities. I'm not going to miss telling those people that are close to me that I love them and that I care about them and that there's a hope in Jesus Christ. I'm not going to miss that opportunity. And from this point on, you can say, I'm going to do something for God. I'm going to be where God can use me. And a year from now, one year from now, at the end of 2014, you won't be saying, boy, I should really get started on this. You can say, I've made my time count. I've converted it. I'm not the same person that I was. I'm a, I'm, a year, I'm a year forward in my marriage, and God has restored some things. Some things I thought were lost, God restored and put them back together. Amen. Won't that be a good thing at the end of this next year? Amen. The first is on its way. Amen. But today we can make the right decision. Let's bow our heads all over this place. Every head bowed and every eye closed in reverence to God.